Good morning and welcome to Life on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Amy Debrick, and I'm excited to have you with me this morning. Today we're going to wrap up our discussion for January on the topic of change with author and writer Sarah Butterfield. Sarah is a missionary kid who grew up in France, but makes her home in San Diego with her husband and two children now. And as a women's ministry leader and writer, she's not only passionate about just helping women live out their kingdom calling, but also pursuing missional moments in everyday life. And what I really loved, and I think you'll find it um, interesting and insightful as well, is Sarah's change occurred as a teen. So as the mother of young adult children right now, I found her story very inspiring and very encouraging, especially in those transitional times in children's lives, not only for the children, but also the parents. It can be difficult to watch our kids grow up and um, deal with painful transitions, um, especially when they're trying to figure out their purpose. But I think it's important to show them the importance of embracing that change. So I hope you're able to relate and appreciate Sarah's adult perspective on what was a childhood geographical change. Enjoy. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. I have loved, loved um, reading your work. I first, I think I read the first article you wrote on Hope Writers um, or through Hope Writer Share, Friday Share. But um, I just am always inspired and just so interested in all of the different stories that you have. And, um, you know, I know this month we're talking about change and um, just even doing a quick bio read along with some of your work, I know you grew up as a missionary kid in France and um, you've had you know, trouble or shared finding belonging um, with the change that came from you know, moving back to the States. So you know, what would you say would be your anxiety that you experienced with that kind of geographic change? Um, yeah, so my, a little bit about me, my, my parents moved to France when I was seven. And then in the next um, 11 years, uh, we moved about eight times, um, sometimes um, into different regions in France, um, sometimes back and forth to California, where my, my family is based. Um, a lot of, a lot of missionary kids had it much worse than I did. <laughs> in terms of the number of moves, um, but they were uh, kind of, they still did produce um, some anxiety. And I think the biggest move for me that um, caused so much anxiety was moving um, back to the United States for college. Um, I, um, I grew up um, in the French public school system. So I went to French public schools starting in um, second grade. And when I hit high school, um, we knew that I, I wanted to be going to college in the States, but if I had stayed in the French school system, I would not have been as prepared to go to college in the States. And so my parents, um, they decided to send me to a boarding school in high school for missionary kids. Um, it was in English, it was located in Germany, about a five hour drive from my parents' home. Wow. And um, that's where I went starting in ninth grade. And I was there ninth, 10th grade, and then 12th grade um, okay. with a brief blip back in California for 11th grade. Um, that, um, that high school, I really 
was the first time I found a sense of belonging. Um, and I really connected with the other kids there. I made um, really deep friendships there. And so when it was time to graduate and when it was time to move on to college, which had been the point all along, right. um, I had a really hard time. And I had a really hard time starting, you know, second semester of senior year, knowing that this big change was coming, this change in life stage, this change of location. And um, I don't think I handled it very well. <laughs> I, uh, I picked a college in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I went to Calvin College, which is now um, Calvin University. Okay. And um, I had never been to Michigan before. Um, I picked it specifically for um, the type of degree I was after. Um, and um, so I, I moved there. Uh, my parents dropped me off. Okay. Uh, flew, flew across the ocean and we moved there. And um, I, I knew this was coming. Um, but at the same time, I, I was a little resentful of the change. And... It was doubly difficult knowing that, um, you know, nobody in my graduating class um, was in Michigan. We had all kind of dispersed everywhere. And there just, it just felt like such a sense of loss that I had lost my community. Um, I had lost proximity to my family. Um, and there just was so much that I was grappling with culturally moving back to the States and feeling a little bit like I was in a foreign country. Um, mm -hmm. And then having to just kind of make my way um, on feeling like I was on my own. And um, I, I recognized that it felt like a loss. And I thought that if I gave myself space and time to grieve that loss, that it would be that, that that would be the healthiest thing. And so I spent a lot of time making scrapbooks and making long distance phone calls and writing long emotional emails to close friends and who had you know gone on to colleges in other states, um, kind of commiserating. I did not participate in dorm life events very much. I kind of resisted social happenings around campus. Um, my roommate, Erin, I feel like she made a good effort trying to involve me in things. And I would you know, go along once in a while so as not to appear rude or impolite, but I really just turned inward. Mm -hmm. Did a lot of, um, a lot, a lot of journaling, um, just a lot of, um, I, I tried to give myself space to grieve. And, and I don't think that that was necessarily a bad move or a wrong thing to do, but I wallowed in it. I, I don't know how else to describe it. I, I let it go on so far. I, I, I used it as a crutch. I, I tried to escape my new reality. Um, I didn't want to face um, this new reality. And so I just kind of tried to live in the past as much as was possible. Mm -hmm. And um, eventually I was confronted um, with this when I went home for Christmas. Um, I went back to visit my parents who at the time um, had moved to my boarding school in Germany so that my younger siblings could attend there without having to live in the dorms. Mm -hmm. 
Um, And so here I was back at my old stomping grounds, back at my old high school, back with my family. And here I was confronted with the reality that nothing was the same. And even though I was back in my same location, um, it was no longer where my life was. And it was, it no longer felt like home. Mm -hmm. All the people that were really important to me had moved on. My family was there, of course. And um, that was, I mean, hugely helpful to see them again. Um, But I was really confronted that, uh, no, my life actually was now in Michigan and it was time to start living it. And so I resolved that I was going to go back in January and I was going to finally put myself out there and make new friends and find a new community. And then I discovered that actually the time to do all that in college is September. And I had just assumed that all these people um, who, all these other incoming freshmen, it just kind of seemed like everybody had a friend group already and everybody came in knowing people. Right. Um, and then in fact, that was not true. Um, but I just, I couldn't see it at the time. I thought I am so special, poor me. Sure. Um, and I didn't recognize that actually, no, um, all incoming freshmen are looking to, you know, find their group, find their people, find their friends. And I was late to that party. I, I missed the friend boat. And so um, trying to do that in January, I made it harder on myself. I live still in the same small town that I grew up in. So I, I love hearing other people's adventure and change with that. And, you know, it sounds so exciting um, to be in France and then you're, you know, you're moving back to the States, but it, it's interesting how, you know, for me, I've had anxiety. I've never left and you've different levels of anxiety and you've experienced all these other things. So, um, you know, in a different, in different locations. So I think that's really, um, well, I just find it so exotic and awesome (laughs) that you've been able to stay in one place. I just find there's something like that is deeply desirable about that, um, of being able to point to a geographical location and say, yep, these are where my roots are. Um, I think that's such a gift. So I don't know if that has something to do with being for me, the youngest. And, um, I don't know if that's child placement of the one who stays in the same town with your parents until they, (laughs) I don't know what that is, but I feel like there's could be something to that. That could be a whole Uh other podcast. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's interesting because my son who, um, is in the service now, he enlisted this past August or went in this past August and he's, um, he had a hard time in the beginning, similar to what you're saying, just the change and, you know, from what he was comfortable with here, what he felt like was home and all of that. And when he, when we finally connected with him after a few months and, you know, we're able to talk with him and see him in person, he had kind of had said almost that exact same thing that that was kind of their advice to, to the new sailors coming in is that, you know, don't, keep looking back. Nothing at home has changed. Um, you're the one who's changing and you need to embrace that change because when you go back, everything's going to be the same. You're not missing really anything, um, in that regard. And I think that that's important and interesting that you had said that, that, you know, um, you're kind of almost living in the past until you decide that you're going to embrace what's right in front of you. I think that's interesting that you kind of had almost that same 
perspective when you went home in January. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it just seemed like from what I could tell, it just seemed like all of my classmates were doing great and handling themselves wonderfully and were having none of the same struggles. Um, and, uh, you know, it came out at our 10 year reunion, <laughs> um, that in fact, no, everybody had struggled in, in some way or another. We had all kind of struggled and had to find our way. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I, and, and I think that that's, it's so funny too, especially at that young age is that you don't really find that many kids sharing that, you know, oh, you know, you, you feel like you are alone a little bit because you're not, and depending on your personality, I mean, I'm sure some people are a little bit more, um, you know, outgoing with that struggle, mm -hmm. but in general, that age, that's a tough age. Anyway, you're, you know, it's a little bit of an insecure age. You're at a new school and, and, and to, you know, to have everybody sitting around saying how, you know, we're all equally struggling isn't yes. that common. So, um, you know, I'm sure it was refreshing to hear that later, but at the, but in hindsight, it probably would have been helpful knowing that right when you started, because like you said, it's a, you know, sometimes we make it a longer adjustment period for ourselves when we don't reach out and then find out that, you know, we're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. So that's really I, interesting. I wish looking back that I had found someone who had kind of walked this path before me that I could have reached out to for support. Um, but, you know, at the time there was just a sense of like, I'll handle it. Like I can deal with it. You know, I'm fine. I won't need anyone. But looking back, it would have been very helpful to, you know, seek out someone's wisdom who had kind of um, navigated that same kind of change. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, that's interesting because for your age, and again, you know, it's, you know, when I listen to your story and my gosh, my town that I live in is very small and I'm still living in the same town and the schools are small. And, um, you know, my oldest daughter, she goes to college a few hours away, but still in state, you've done, you did a lot at a young age independently. So, um, you know, even more reason where somebody might not even think that that would be a struggle for you. You know what I mean? Where you were already at a boarding school and lived in France and then you're moving to the States. And, um, you know, I'm wondering, you know, you wonder sometimes if people would just assume just like you did for yourself, like, well, you can handle it. You've, you've already done plenty of other things that were difficult and we make assumptions for ourselves that we should be able to figure it out independently. Um, even if we're doing ourselves a disservice, like you said, and not seeking out the right people that could have possibly, you know, helped make the transition a little bit easier or a little bit smoother. Mm -hmm. But, um, having said that, um, what was there a, a certain person once you got back and kind of got into the groove and all of that, that or a person or even a practice that kind of helped you overcome, you know, the, the anxiety that came from that change or how did, how did you kind of, you know, flip that and make it a little bit more of a positive experience after that first, first semester? Um, well, uh, putting myself out there and trying to make friends was helpful. Um, sophomore year, I moved into an apartment with some, an on-campus apartment with um, some other girls who I, who I got to know. Um, that was helpful. I think um, the, the thing that helps me the most was just time. 
um, and just being patient with myself and with the process. Um, my heart, as you had, you know, as you had said, uh, my heart, I feel like I had left back, back home in Germany and France. And um, there was a, this part of me that um, wasn't willing to accept that there could also be good things in this new location. Mm. And, um, but once I opened myself up to the possibility that there in fact could be good things about this place, things that I come to love, um, allowing myself, um, to love another place to find good things. Um, that was helpful to try to seek out, um, new things to love in my new place. Um, um, it was also helpful to uh, meet my husband around that same time. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. That's always a great story. So you met him at school. So you guys went to the same school. Yes, we went okay. to the same school. Um, and, um, and so I kind of adopted, adopted his home. His home was about two hours away from the university um, and just kind of tried to claim his home as my own. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting Um, your story right now kind of parallels, and I mentioned this before, my my son's adventure of where he is right now. Mm -hmm. And it's so, I mean, the timing of this interview couldn't be more perfect um, because although he's doing much better and um, now he has finally, and it's funny you use the words embrace and allow. And I think it's important to, well, when you don't do that, how much that can hold you back. And he, this was the first time, so he was able to come home for the first time since August um, for Christmas. It was a limited visit, but we thoroughly enjoyed it. And he was just happy to be home just for a few days. Um, But returning, so every time he's gone somewhere, so when he left here to go to boot camp, um, that was in Chicago. And then when he left uh, boot camp, he went right to... um, Pensacola, Florida for a school. And then when he left a school, he headed to Washington state and, but every transition he made at that, at that time were almost just like how you described leaving your high school, everybody dispersed that he had kept connecting with. So he had made these great buddies and um, boot camp, and, but they all were going in different places for a school. Mm -hmm. So then he gets to a school, he makes some connections. Now, they were, some of them were going, half of them were going to Japan and half were going to Washington. But when he left, um, they all decided to take their leave from there. And he wanted to hold out and try to come home for the holiday. So when he went to Washington, he knew nobody. So it was Mm -hmm. that, and, and he's a very shy young man anyway. He's not super outgoing. My younger son's more outgoing. And so every time though, we could, we could see, we could sense it, we could hear it in his voice the struggle because he, he would, he would be there and he would show up, but he hadn't totally like embraced where he was and he Mm -hmm. had, or even allowed himself to enjoy why he signed up, what he was doing. And so when he had come home for Christmas though, and then flew back, it was the first conversation we had had since before he left to go in at all, um, where we finally could tell he he had made that change. He had allowed himself to enjoy where he was. He, he was embracing because he had made some connections and now he was returning to those connections that he had made for the first time. Everybody was kind of 
still staying, you know, a couple guys were still staying in the same area. And now this is going to be his home and his community for the next four years. And, and that's what we wanted. And so I'm, I'm, and you know, and it sounds just like how you're describing when you finally let yourself or, you know, was, were open to the idea that, okay, there, there could be some great things here. That's when great things happen. And that's when those people show up like your future husband and, and all of that. And so it's just so funny you telling that story and where he's at right now. And I, I, just told a few of my friends in the last few days how nice it was as a parent to to be able to recognize and tell that for the first time he's turning that corner right and i think it's it's totally normal to have you know some big emotional responses in response to um a, a location a big geographical location change like that I think it's normal. I think the problem is getting stuck in those emotional responses and not coming to terms with the new situation and not, not um, embracing um, your new reality so you can move forward in it. And, you know, living in San Diego right now, I um, San Diego is a highly military town. Right. Um, and I work with um, mothers of preschoolers and younger, the MOPS program. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of military moms. And I respect them so much because they, they will show up and they know that they're only here for two or three years, um, however long their assignment is, and they don't hold back. They jump right in, you know, nails on the wall, hanging up pictures as soon as possible. They're jumping in with both feet, trying to make mom friends. They know their time is limited. And I just admire so much the way that they, um, even though they know their time is limited, they don't close themselves off, Mm -hmm. but they are, you know, open and just willing to make the best of life for however long that they're here. And I, I think that's a, that's a skill that you, that you learn. I, I've definitely been in, in the situation before in my adult life where it was time to leave a place and, um, and, and then it was a special kind of sadness and that is time to leave and nobody cares that I'm leaving because I have not made an effort to make friends here. Oh, right. right. It's, it's almost like it's, it's worse to have nobody to miss. It's mm-hmm. worse it's worse to have nobody to say goodbye to. Right. Even though you know it's going to hurt when you leave these people, it's better to have made these friends than to have kind of closed yourself off at all. And I say this as an introvert, perfectly fine being alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. It took me years to actually figure out that I was an introvert, which I think is so funny. My sister and I were chatting one day and she was talking about the same you know, epiphany she had had. And I'm like, I think I'm an introvert also. I'm completely content. being by myself. However, having said that, I think that's probably what, oh, probably what lingered my anxiety struggles because I wasn't somebody who felt natural um, to reach out. And so I think when you don't have anybody to bounce things off of, um, you keep it all in and that's not necessarily doing you any favors either, or at least it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the other connections are truly important. And I have wonderful friends who, you know, were willing to show up for me when I had nothing to offer <laughs> at some mm-hmm. of my low points. And there, there is, you know, that's really powerful that you said that it's worse to have nobody to miss when you, when you kind of, um, decide to not engage and, um, and 
you know, form those relationships. They're so important. Even when you are an introvert, probably mostly for somebody <laughs> like me when you are an introvert, because it's easier to, to do the latter, um, but not most beneficial for sure. Mm-hmm. I, my final thing that I just wanted to um, ask you, although, I mean, I feel like the information and the um, advice you have given has just been incredible. Um, and maybe because it's so close to my heart right now, through my son's experience, but what advice um, can you offer, you know, other other people, not necessarily even just other women, I know this is geared more for women, but other women or anybody um, regarding change, and especially for you, like uh, more of a geographical change to live their life on purpose? Well, I think the first thing is just Um, being honest with how you feel about the change, acknowledging um, the emotions that you have. Um, And then the second thing is, um, you know, seeking help from maybe somebody who has gone before, who has um, had this same or similar type of change um, to to glean wisdom there. Um, I think being open and receptive to how this change might be good in the end for you, even though it is hard or difficult or painful right now, um, to just be receptive to what God might be teaching you, um, to how you could take this opportunity to, um, to grow more into the person that God is shaping you to be. Um, and then finally, you know, to be patient and to move forward um, as best as you can, even if you are you know, not happy with this um, new situation, this new place, this new change um, in your life. Well, I think that's all great advice. And, um, you know, I think it is really important to, like you had mentioned, is just um, to be receptive of the change. And, you know, you don't know what God's doing, working through you and for you. And, you know, what his purpose is always for you isn't always crystal clear. So embracing that is the only really way to find out. And I think that that's really um, a wonderful thing to share and advise people to do. And I also wanted to just mention about your, um, you know, the 30 day devotional, Be Still. And -hmm. if you could talk a little bit about that or any other resources that, you know, women um, could connect with you um, or, you know, purchase these books. I know that um, the ebook drawing near is, I'm not sure if that's just on your website or I know the 30 day devotional be still, you said was on available on Amazon, but could you talk a little bit more about those and where women can further connect with you? Yes. So um, be still and know is a devotional for those who are, you know, facing incredibly difficult times. And so it's meant to be um, a daily encouragement. And it's um, a collection of writers who have contributed to this um, edited by uh, Sarah Westfall, um, fellow writer. I mean, that be still and know devotional is available on Amazon. Um, and then I also have available on my own website, which is sarahkbutterfield.com. Um, I have a free 29-page downloadable ebook um, for moms in the trenches who want to grow closer to God, but are not sure how to go about doing it with really young kids underfoot. And that too is a collection of practical tips and wisdom and inspiration um, from moms in, in that same boat. 
Um, and that is available um, for subscribers. So just head over to my website, sarahkbutterfield.com, and you can sign up and download that freebie. That's great. Thank you so much. I, I'm actually excited to check both of those out. And, um, and I think they'll be great tools for women to use, you know, wherever they're struggling and wherever they need it. So those are great resources. Um, but I want to just thank you again for being on this podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed having you. I love hearing your story and um, it was just wonderful. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for letting me share. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we will catch up with you soon. And, you know, for those listening, um, check her out at sarahkbutterfield.com. And you're also on Facebook and Instagram. They can find you there as well. Yes. Okay. All, All right. right. That sounds good. Thanks so much, Sarah. We'll catch up soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that concludes January's topic of change. Next week, I'm going to give you a little preview of what to expect for February, which is the month of health, by sharing a little bit of my journey with anxiety through health issues that I have faced. And then once February kicks in, we've got some incredible women for you to listen to. We have personal trainer, Julie Rex. We have operations director at independent.org, Kimberly Bacho. Plus, we have author and writers, Jen Rowland and Jody Howe. So I'm excited to have you continue to listen in. I think you're going to find these very inspiring and um, helpful. They're full of resources and tools. And so I encourage you to tune in every Friday. And in the meantime, don't forget to live your life on purpose. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next week.